Welcome to Canvas, an FBI radio podcast unframing art and ideas. This podcast was recorded on Gadigal land. FBI radio recognizes the traditional custodians of the land and their continuous connection to country. We pay our respects to elders past and present. My name is Aisha, and today on Canvas, we're chatting with Mara Schwertfeger and Zoe Baumgartner, who together are temporary position and Agus Wijaya. Temporary Position collaborates with individuals and communities to host web publications and shared spaces that explore alternative presentations of narratives. We talk about how Temporary Position came to be, their ongoing web residency, and their upcoming dequiring workshop. Hi, I'm Mara Schertfeger. And I'm Zoe Baumgartner. Temporary Position is a collaborative project that we conceptualized during 2020 and started putting into place in 2021. And it's for artists to come together both on web and in person to explore different ways of presenting narratives. What made you create Temporary Position? We, at the time we were reading lots of uh, books about publishing and communities kind of in print. We initially were interested in making um, a more print-based practice that was kind of able to form a community from. But then I think because we had so much going online at the time with lockdown and so many friends that we couldn't access, we felt like it'd be really nice to make a kind of more digital space. Uh, Yeah. And also something a bit more left of field in terms of publishing, because we were looking at ways that publishing could take a new direction, I guess, and not and also being conscious of not just producing stuff. Yeah, and I think as well, you know, having something that's online is so much more easily accessed by people everywhere. And I've seen that the artist who's on the site at the moment, are they in Paris? They're from Paris, but live in Karlsruhe in Germany, and I met them in Iceland. <laughs> so, yeah, that was another big part. Was And we were, were talking with her, Nina Overcott, about this idea of communities and publishing and and temporary position was kind of born out of a discussion with her. Yeah, we were both really into wanting to practice coding. So, I mean, in a selfish way of describing temporary position, it's very much just for us to upskill in that way. <laughs> mm. So then how does it work logistically in terms of the web page that you build with the artist over the three-month period, the residency period? So it, it definitely depends on the artist we're working with and how much experience they have with coding. Some artists don't know coding as well or they don't really know it's even capable. So we might kind of talk to them about what they're trying to do conceptually and what they're interested in achieving. And then we can kind of like find the tools to make that happen. So they'll almost like tell us the narrative that they're trying to achieve and we'll think of ways that it could happen. And then other artists like Nina are more proficient in coding, creative coding than us. And they just, Nina yes, just... she just took that all yeah, on herself. It's great. <laughs> Very impressive. And if I was an artist who wanted to do a residency with temporary position, how would I do that? Um, send us an email or a message <laughs> and we'll start talking. The first bit of it is just really a lot of discussions because we also like to learn from you as much as we hope we can like give you some tools to use. I feel like in the first bit we really lean into that residency idea where it's like lots of building on ideas and we hope to 
create a space, even if we're not in a physical space together, where we can jump on a Zoom with them and just like not through ideas. And you've got something happening, a dequiring workshop. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So dequiring kind of came out of an interest in scoring and trying to write scores that could be accessible to everyone. It kind of came down to this idea of like graphic scores and text-ridden scores and and scores that anyone without a musical background could somehow access. Um, And I had been making a few of these scores in the previous years and kind of wanted to like keep working on them. So again, selfish of me. (laughs) But, um, and we also had a lot of artists around us that we were like, oh, I wonder how that would work if we presented that as a score. So... We've invited Meg Clune, who is a composer and musician who has a score called A Body of Time, which is a video score. And she's also provided a lot of different instructions depending on what group is performing it. So we'll do, be doing a very specific group of instructions for this event. And then we also asked Chanel Tobler, who is a painter. And we asked her because when we saw her paintings we were kind of like, these already kind of look like scores. So like, Mm. especially those graphic scores from like John Cage and that era of, of music. So like what would happen if you presented that to someone and and was like, sing this. And then the last person we asked was Nicole Pingen, who's a theater maker. So Mm. again, from another background, still with the performative element, but like, how does that then translate to the written page and, and telling that to people? So hers is very bodily, but still with sound making. Uh, yeah, so they're all quite different in the end. We also have Mara's score in it. Oh yeah, and my score, which is called Cavity to Cavity, which is um, a five-part piece, which kind of explores like how a sound made in our body then gets translated to the outer world mm. and kind of mixed all together. sing your highest note possible and see what happens then oh nothing good (laughs) nothing good will happen then I can tell you that much so we're calling it a workshop so upon arrival you'll get given a score book and that's got the four scores in it and we're running it across two days 21st and 22nd of May in two sessions so the first session will just be two scores and second session the other two scores you can mix and match if you like if you can't do a full day or you just want to do half and we'll spend about 45 minutes on each score and it is a workshop so we'll be doing some warm-up exercises and then we'll be learning how to read the score then we'll be doing like some practice runs or experimenting with the instructions in the score and then finally we'll try and perform the piece all together and how does it work how do people get involved so it's at phoenix central park and it's free to attend you don't need any background in music making or singing. And before we go, can you tell us your social media handles so people can find Temporary Position and sign up to this workshop? So on Instagram, we're temporary.position and our website is temporary-position.com. We also had the chance to sit down with Agus Wajaya. Agus is an Indonesian artist of Chinese background who lives in Australia. His recent works question the construction of both the personal and cultural self through 3D abstraction, experimental sculpture, and new media. 
We talked about how Agus's creative practice has developed, starting with illustration and graphic design and eventually finding meaning in art making. We also talk about his current exhibition, Tatareka, and how Agus safely stores memory and embeds meaning in his work. How did you first get into design and creating work? I think I was drawn to it from people just telling me, oh, you'll be good at this, you'll enjoy this, you know, because back home when you love drawing, you'll either become an architect or a designer. I didn't know anything better. I did my research based on what I could back then. And I thought, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll enjoy multimedia, I'll enjoy graphic design. And so do you have anyone in your family that you got inspiration from? I have a few people that love drawing or love painting or love photograph. My dad is a photographer and my grandma loves drawing. He's very good at that. But no, not professional. Well, my dad was a professional photographer at one point before he gave it up, which also made me a bit conflicted about being an artist because it's like, oh, I can do what I want to do now, whereas he had to give it up for the family. I guess it as well, you know, the difference in generations, I feel like creative work as a career is more viable nowadays. So it's really interesting the way that there is a little bit more space now, I guess, to have a a career in, in the arts. I do still struggle to call myself an artist most of the time because I'm not sure if I can call myself one, but I do make art and I do lots of either self contemplation or just pondering on contemplative matter. And I think I use that to reconcile with myself on many things, either make peace with what happened in the past or making sense of things that are more recent. Mm. So you've got an exhibition on at the moment at Stanley Street Gallery called Tatareka. Yep. So Tatareka is a made-up word. So Tata means order and Reka means guess. So it's like making sense of things. So it's almost like trying to make sense and make peace of things that, you know, that stay with us. The reason I chose that as well because when I try to depict something political or something cultural, that is my version of that, that is my interpretation of that. Some of them I try to assemble a message almost coded in symbolism and I just try to make sure that there are enough layers. So when I'm comfortable, for example, to someone in my family, I can just talk all the way through Mm -hmm. what it actually means. But to general people, I'll probably just say first or second layers and what what the meaning is. When making them, I always try to make sure that nothing is identifiable. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't use a character people know as, you know, oh, that's, that's an Indonesian character or that's a Sundanese character or Chinese character. Probably that's why some people, many people also ask what is this or what is that because they probably figure out slight resemblance. So you kind of like lean into the ambiguity of it. Yes, and I do, I start to finally, in the Tatareka, I do start referencing some elements from my hometown because I know that they're also disappearing. They start to fade and I do want to cling on to the elements that I grew up with, the name or the stools they were imported from Indonesia, from an Australian reseller. And we're recording today at FBI in Redfern, and in 2019 you had an exhibition or a work that was on showing at the Bearded Tip, which is just across the road, called mm-hmm. Holding Time. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about that? <laughs> okay, so that's probably the most political work I've done so far. The muffled gong face is also included again. Not just once, but I think it appears five times. Just as a constant reminder to myself not to talk too much in the gallery. 
And before talking anything, I just want to, I never want to trivialize anything regarding 98, just to respect the victims. But that was probably a very significant moment for many Chinese Indonesians of my generation. But again, I always frame it as subjective because I know someone who was during that time sent on holiday to Sydney for two months. And she wasn't aware of what happened until, I don't know, five years ago when we had a chat and she just remembered that time as, oh, that lovely holiday, that lovely long holiday in Sydney. Mm -hmm. Or someone who already moved abroad and only followed what was on the news. And still the official account to this day is like, oh yeah, not much happened. But it did leave a mark on me on, up to that point, I always felt like, oh yeah, I was 100% Indonesian. But after that, I just kept questioning, oh, why Mm -hmm. is it like this? Why is it like that? And the whole political divide and conquer which existed from back from the colonization what that work is about is just respecting people who want to keep their silence because people are always often encouraged to speak up you know like that's not always easy you can see agus's current exhibition tatareka at stanley street gallery until the 21st of may thank you for listening to another episode of canvas unframing art and ideas Thank you to our guests, Mara Schwertfeger, Zoe Baumgartner, and Agus Wajaya. Thank you for listening to another episode of Canvas, Unframing Art and Ideas. To find out more about the artist featured in this episode, scroll down to the show notes. This episode was brought to you by our fabulous team, executive producer Michelle Tsao, producer and audio editor Kanika Kerpalani researcher Elena Zorowski, and me, your host, Aisha Ash. Our intro music was made by Jackie DeLacy. Canvas is an FBI radio podcast. If you like what you're listening to, hit subscribe, leave us a review, and share this podcast with someone you love. Check out our Instagram at canvas underscore 94.5 FBI for more great art content and show updates. Kia paitera, have a good day. (laughs) 